This is our final Wednesday night Bible study of 2023. And then, uh, and then we'll be making our way into the new year, and we have some uh, wonderful things coming uh, in terms of what to look forward to. I know one thing in particular is the second week of January, we're going to be uh, having a week of revival here at church. Every night, we're going to have an opportunity for worship and prayer and being encouraged, uh, messages from special guests like Pastor Ron Brown is going to be joining us. It's going to be a wonderful time. Make sure you set that in your calendars uh, to start the new year off right uh, here in the house of God, uh, studying God's word together and committing to prayer. So that's coming up in the second week of January. So uh, again, we're, we're uh, coming to the final uh, Wednesday of our 2023 year, and uh, and the Lord has been faithful this year. Amen? God has been faithful. Um, so tonight, uh, we're going to get ready to get into the Word of God just in a little bit, but before we do that, we'll spend some time in prayer and then have a chance to uh, study a few passages of Scripture. Um, the, the passages of Scripture that I chose to go through tonight are really focused on uh, this time of the year, because this is the time of the year where you might start either you yourself or you might hear others talking about making New Year's resolutions, um, New Year's resolutions for the brand new year. Some of you are like, you know what, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. Others of you are like, I do them every year and I keep them to the T. And, uh, and, and others might have other approaches. So uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what, how we might be able to go about any of those kinds of things in a way that is consistent with biblical teaching. Does that sound good? Um, so we'll spend some time taking a look at that. Uh, we'll also take some time thinking about the, the theme of, of things that are new, things that are new um, as we you know, get ready to, to kind of uh, move away from the season of Christmas uh, into a new season of getting ready for the new year and all that. Um, you know, it, it causes us to think about what it, what it feels like to be new or to be made new. Raise your hand if you are interested in the Lord making you new, making your heart new, right? Maybe making your mind new. Um, maybe even some are praying for physical healing and miracles. You're, you're asking the Lord to renew your body, right? Um, and so we're going to talk about some of those themes here this evening. Um, and so I, I hope that you are ready to get into the Word of God for us to do that. But why don't we just take some uh, some time to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into our first text, which is going to be out of uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, and that's where we'll begin our our, uh, our study this evening. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's give him thanks. Um, I, I see Nayeli's here in the sanctuary, and I know that she got some really nice Christmas gifts, and so we always make it a, a, um, a tradition in our, our family household to uh, not just rush through the tearing open of, of the wrapping paper and ripping boxes apart, but we always want to make sure we pause to say thanks because God has been good, right? Even if you had one thing to open this Christmas, God is good. It's good to even just enjoy a Christmas, right? Um, even if the one thing you had to open was a tamale, right? And you just opened it up real nice, okay, get right to the middle of it and enjoy it. You had a Christmas gift to open, praise the Lord. I'm at the point now where, you know, Christmas is all about the kids for the most part. So for me, I get excited when I get a brand new bar of soap. And uh, some of you are like, man, you're weird. But seriously, I, I enjoy the smell of a nice, fresh, clean soap. Um, 
Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you that you are good. Uh, Lord, as we uh, are just a couple of days removed from celebrating Christmas, we're reminded that the Christmas season is all about uh, reflecting on the fact that you came and that you were born. You dwelt among us. Um, you, Lord, uh, gave up your right to be seated at the throne of your heavenly Father and instead came to walk amongst us, humans, sinful, broken people. And we, we thank you, Lord. We consider it a gift that you gave us an invitation to a relationship with you. So we don't take that for granted, Lord, even as we recognize all the other gifts and the joys that come along with this season, um, we do not allow any of that to cloud or distort our ability to recognize that the real purpose of it all is that uh, you've shown us your love and that you've given us yourself. And so, Lord, we receive that gift in our heart this evening. We ask that you would allow us to study your word tonight. Lord, as we open up your word to study and to understand or do the best we can to understand what it is that you might be speaking to us, we pray that uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would be present in this place, bringing about encouragement, direction, and maybe even conviction, as long as it leads us to a life of faithfulness to you and to your word. So be with us this evening as we study your word. We thank you for the gift of fellowship and for the opportunity to be in your house. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, that was weak. I said praise the Lord. By the way, if you were here last Wednesday, uh, man, it was a standing room only in Mission Ebenezer Family Church Sanctuary last weekend as we celebrated the... Uh, our, what was it, 61st? Was it 61st, Pastor Josh? Annual Christmas program? Um, so what an honor it is to continue that tradition. And we had a wonderful play that was put on by our kids. Uh, that were, I believe the play was called uh, How the Grinch Found Jesus. Um, and it was uh, wonderfully, wonderfully uh, produced, wonderfully um, uh, brought to us by our kids who worked really hard, and uh, just a wonderful way to, to come together during the Christmas season. So um, so here we are. We're in Matthew chapter 18, and um, I want to read verses 21, 21 through 35, Matthew chapter 18. Verses 21 through 35. It says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And verse 27 says, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow, we're going to pause there after verse 27 of this story in Matthew chapter 18. This story starts out uh, with a man who owed a big debt, a huge debt, a debt that he could not afford to pay. In fact, When he finally came before the king who he owed and he said, I can't repay this, give me some more time and I'll pay it off fully. As soon as he realized that he didn't have enough and the king realized that that he couldn't pay it off, he said, okay, well, because you couldn't pay off your debt, bring your wife, bring your kids, okay, and all of you are going to be sold into slavery and you're going to work off your debt. So in other words, you're going to have to sell your home, you're going to have to sell whatever it is that you have, all your possessions, and your family. You're going to go work for somebody else until you pay off what it is that you owed me. And and so this man then cried out and said, please, please, have mercy on me. Give me some time, be patient with me, and I'll repay everything I owe. And just from that one request, that one uh, kind of tear-filled petition of the king to repay or to or to to for him just to have a little bit more time the king looked at him had mercy on him and said okay okay you know what I'll I'll do I'll do more than what you asked you asked me for more time and what I'm going to do is I'm going to say we're good you don't owe me anything isn't that amazing this is, this, Jesus is teaching a, a story through a parable by talking to Peter. Peter comes and asks him the question and says, what's up with this forgiveness thing? How often do I actually need to forgive somebody that wrongs me? Right? Do I really need to forgive them? Can, do, do I have to forgive them up to seven times? Well, Peter, imagine somebody who's done something to you that you might deem unforgivable. Maybe they stole from you. Maybe they, they said something to you or about you to somebody else. Uh, maybe maybe they, they, they harmed you in some way or whatever it might be, right? Imagine how hard it is to forgive that person one time. It might, sometimes it takes people an entire lifetime just to generate enough courage, enough love, enough compassion to forgive somebody for one thing that they did way long ago. And what Peter's asking him to begin with is, Jesus, according to your teaching, do I really have to forgive this person seven times? Think about it, seven times. Right, that's six more. In fact, for, for many of us, that's seven more than what many of us are willing to do. And yet we, we begin this conversation here by, by Peter trying to, to, to create a formula for forgiveness. To, to create a numeric description as to how forgiveness works. And, and Jesus blows his mind because he says, Peter, believe it or not, it's not just seven times. But then he, he says, it's 77 times. He says, let me tell you a story. And he begins to tell him the story. And that's the story that we just read. The story of this man who came and said, 
I don't have it. I don't have what I owe. I, don't, I can't pay my debts off, right? And then the king, after, after a little bit of conversation and negotiation and bargaining, finally says, you know what? Here, I'll make you a deal. And the deal is, you don't owe me anymore. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? How many of you would take that deal? Oh, I know I would. Man, that's a pretty good deal, right? I mean, the, the man was probably expecting some kind of, you know, uh, uh, time amount that would have been connected to this negotiation. Okay, here's the deal. I'll give you six months, and if by six months you can't pay it off, then we'll have another conversation and figure out what the penalty will be at that point. And rather than giving him a certain amount of time that was extra that he would have had to pay off this debt, the king shows the ultimate measure of mercy to this man by saying, we're good. Your debt is canceled. Consider it done. How awesome is that? And the reason why I wanted to start this evening with that story is because as we get ready to go into a brand new year, one of the things I love about this season of newness, 2023, in a few short days, is now in the rearview mirror. And we're all going to be getting it wrong on our paperwork and documents for like the first couple of weeks because we're going to be writing January something, 2023. And then we're going to go, oh, shoot, where's the whiteout? Right, man, most of us are digital now, so we don't use whiteout hardly. I had to look high and low the other day to find a whiteout. Because remember back in the day, it was like the little brush. Like you almost felt like a little artist when you pulled out your little whiteout with your brush. You were hoping that it wasn't all clotted, you know what I mean? And, or dried out and like just kind of stuck, like the, the caps all stuck on. You were lucky if you had a little bit of liquid left, right? And then you like, you, you know, you paint it on real nice, blow it, let it dry, or wave the paper around a little bit, you know? Just don't let it get smudged on your, on your clothes, that was another. And then they came out with a whiteout, uh, uh, like, tape. You know what I'm talking about? But those are just as annoying as, as cassette tapes because you remember how the film used to come out and then you have to try to, like, get it back into order with your finger? I was trying to do that the other day with a whiteout pen. Finally, I just threw it away. I was like, I got bigger fish to fry, man, <laughs> than this whiteout tape. Um, how did I get on whiteout? Oh, 2024 is going to be a new year. 2024 is going to be a new year. So, so basically, the reason why I, I want to make sure that, like, some of us downplay it, and we're just kind of like, oh, it's just another day. You know, it felt like yesterday. It was, you know, December 31st yesterday. The next day, it's January 1st. No big deal. Same old, same old. And here's what I would say. If that's your attitude, you need Jesus in your life. You want to know why? Because no day is just any regular old day when Christ is at the center of your life. In fact, in fact, when we're really experiencing the joy of the Lord, every day is like New Year. It's a brand new year, right? What does the Word of God say? It says, it says that His mercies are new when? When? Every morning. It's a new year every morning with Christ. Isn't that awesome? Jesus told this story for a reason because he wants he told it in, the, in a parable form and he's talking about a king and a servant and all that. But in reality, what he's trying to teach us is the character of God. That, that all of us have come before him, just like this man in the story of Matthew 18, with a huge, with, with a deep 
debt of sin in our lives. We've got all this stuff in our hearts and in our minds that causes separation between us and God. We've got unforgiveness in our hearts. We've got, uh, we've got anger issues that we're still working out. We've got, uh, we, we've got temptation and lust in our heart. We've got greed in our heart. We, we've got selfishness in our heart. Right? We've got all these things that have created this mountain of debt that, that we're, we ought to be living as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We ought to be living holy and righteous, just like he is holy and righteous, and yet we fall short every single day, and so we come before God with this debt. And although our sin ought to give us a certain kind of punishment or penalty, the Lord comes and says, you know what? We're good. Jesus paid it all. Isn't that awesome? And so, like I said, if, you, if you're in Christ, every day is like New Year because you just got a new opportunity in Christ. You don't got to hold on to the stuff from, from last year. And it doesn't carry over. Isn't that cool? The beautiful thing about the way that our God operates, the way his economy works, right? Wouldn't it be nice if all of a sudden we hit the brand new year and all, all of your credit card debt just went away? Some of you are like, man, yeah. Praying somebody makes a, 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 uh, an accounting error somewhere. Then all of a sudden, you know, you just see zeros and you're like, yeah. <laughs> so the beginning of this story, really in a lot of ways, ought to remind us of how grateful we are that we get a brand new chance to be forgiven. We get a brand new chance to start with a clean slate with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Right? So that ought to be the best thing that propels us is, is saying, thank you, Lord, for bailing me out yet again. Right? Thank you, Lord, for settling all of my spiritual accounts, right, and coming in and giving me the freedom of knowing that any of the debt that I did owe spiritually is now canceled in Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But here, here's, here's where the story um, kind of turns a bit, and, and, uh, and the Word of God here in Matthew chapter 18 is going to challenge us. Are you ready to be challenged tonight? If you weren't ready to be challenged tonight, you probably wouldn't have come. Because let's just be real. It's two days after Christmas. Those of you who are here in the house of God are serious about God's word. All right? If you weren't serious about God's word, you wouldn't have come tonight. But you came because you're like, man, I want to grow. I want to be challenged. I want to be who God wants me to be. So congratulations to you for being here. Because it does demonstrate that you have a desire to grow in your faith and in Christ. It doesn't mean that others who aren't here don't. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that you have demonstrated a genuine interest in being more like Christ and growing and being challenged. So now this story is going to turn and it's going to challenge us a little bit. Okay. So, so let, before we go there, let me ask you this question. How do you think this, this servant who owed so much debt to the point where his penalty was going to be for his entire family and all of his possessions to be sold and given away just to pay off this debt. How do you think he should have felt 
when he received the news that his debt had been canceled entirely. Come on, let me hear you talk a little bit. How, how should he have felt? Overjoyed, grateful, what else? Relieved, excited, what else? Free, yeah. I mean, imagine right before he heard the verdict, the final verdict that your debt is cleared, you don't owe me anything, right? Don't even worry about it. Right before he heard that, that message, he was already starting to make up a, a plan in his mind about all the extra jobs he was going to have to take to pay this thing off. All the overtime, he was going to have to start working night shift and day shift, right? He was going to have to go and start trying to figure out how to take care of his family and pay off this debt. And while his wheels are turning about how he can pay off this debt, all of a sudden the king says, hey, you know what? Relax. Take it easy. You don't owe me anything. Wow. Wow. So, so you would think that he would have been filled with, with just um, enormous gratitude and emotions of, of, of joy, right, and excitement of hearing this news. But look what it says in verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. One hundred denarii. So that so compared to what he owed, right, what he owed the king, it was compared to what he owed, it was like a few bucks. One percent. What he, what, what he was owed by his fellow servant was 1% of what he owed to the, to the king. He says he owed, he owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him, and he began to choke him out. I put out in there. Out isn't in there originally, but I just I added it there for effect. He, be, he grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Does that sound familiar? Same exact line that he used, right? Come on, give me a little more time and I'll get you, I'll, I'll get you right. right? So I'll, I just owe you like 20 bucks. All right, hold on, I just got to go to my tia's house real quick. I'll ask her, you know, I'll come over here and, and uh, you know, do a little work around the house to pay it off. But uh, give me a second. I'll be right back. She lives right over there in Gardena. And then I'll come right back and I'll, I'll hook you up and we'll be fine. Right? But look at verse 30. But he refused and instead he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. 
the word of the Lord. So here we have this, this story that contains these, these beautiful truths. And the first part of it is just this great reminder to us of how good and merciful our God is. That regardless of, of the debt that we owe, right, his mercies are able to, to wipe that clean. Regardless of what kind of sin you've wrestled with, regardless of what your 2023 has been like. Some of you here, your 2023 has been pretty good. Maybe you've gotten back on the right track and you've been doing things the right way and you've been dealing with hard things and, and you've been working through them and learning how to trust in God and growing in your faith and serving God. And maybe 2023 was filled with some really good things and it's something to say, thank you, Lord, for a good year. I'm getting ready for a better one, right? Others of you might be here or joining us online and your 2023 maybe hasn't been so good. Maybe there's been some spots where, where you've really messed up really fallen short, really done some things, just said some things that you're not proud of, and you wish you could go back and, and do it over, or take it back, or erase it, or get a whiteout pen, right, and white it out, and start from scratch. Some of you look back on 2023, and you're not very proud of, of what 2023 was. Maybe you didn't make very much progress. Maybe you had all these dreams at the end of 2022 and you thought about what 2023 could hold and here you are with a couple days left and you're like, man, not only have I not achieved those dreams and goals that I have, but I feel like I've actually gone backward in many ways in my life. Here's the thing. Regardless of what your 2023 was like, 2024 is a brand new, fresh start with God. Whether 2023 was great or whether 2023 was terrible, your God is saying, let's start, let's start fresh. Right? Let, 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 let's, don't even worry about bringing anything from the past with you into the, into the new year. Leave it there. Okay? We've deal with, we'll, we'll deal with that. But now I want you to focus on what's ahead. Isn't it, isn't it special to be able to focus on things that are in front of you, right? Uh, my, my son, Micaiah, one of his uh, big Christmas gifts from uh, Santa, I think it was from Santa, or, or us, or one of, one of the two, I can't remember which one, um, but one of his big Christmas gifts that he got was, um, was one of those bikes that's a convertible, you know, like it could be a regular bike, or it could be what's called a balance bike. You ever heard of those balance bikes? We didn't have balance bikes when we grew up. It was like you learn or you don't, you know. Um, and so, so I was practicing with him on his balance bike, which basically is like a bike with no pedals. So that, because you know how it is when you're learning how to ride the bike, and uh, but you don't know how to put your feet on the pedal. The pedals are still going, and then you end up with like all like all kinds of scratches right on the inside of your legs. So they just take the pedals off, and then they just learn how to like walk on the bike. So he was doing pretty good. The only issue is, you know. Um, he doesn't yet know how to focus on what's in front, what's ahead of him. Every little thing, like, you know, he hears something and then he starts looking there. What happens when your head goes that way when you're on a bike? You know, the, your hands go with it, right? It kind of, everything's like on a, uh, like that. And so every single time, I, I don't know how many times I saved him, right? I was like, I was thinking of all kinds of spiritual metaphors while we were going down the block right next to Sam's house. Because I was like, man, he doesn't even know how many times I saved his life. Isn't that like us too? Right? We don't even know how many times God has saved our life, right? It was like, my son, he got home. He's all happy. He takes his helmet off. I'm like, bro, you could have died like 10 times. 
because you got distracted, right? And many of us, right, some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to go into 2024 with all kinds of distractions, uh, distractions of last year and what that held, distractions of what should have been but wasn't, distractions of what's over there, what's over there, instead of focusing on, on God's pl- path for your life. Right? Many of us are going to go into 2024 with distractions. My hope is that you can allow the Lord to deal with all of those things that would distract you so that you could stay focused on his call for your life in the brand new year. Right? And so as we, as we look at this story... And then I'm, I want to transition us because there's another theme that I want to hit on this evening as we, as we round out our series on Wednesday nights here for 2023. The other thing that we need to be reminded of in this passage is in the same way that God has shown us compassion and has forgiven us time and time again, the same way that he is taking account of all of our sin, all of our, 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 all of our, our um, mistakes, Every single thing that we've done that has piled up, in the same way that God has extended that to us, there's an expectation that Jesus is teaching us in Matthew 18 that we extend that same kind of compassion and mercy to others. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do today. Like if we're people of faith, we love to talk about being forgiven We don't like talking about forgiving others. We love to focus on the feeling of, oh, man, yes, oh, man, I am healed, I am saved, I am free. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't got to carry all that stuff that I used to carry with me, and and I don't got to keep that long file that's, that's thick, that's bulging of all my shortcomings, like the Lord pulled it out and threw it in a fire, and it's gone, and thank you, Jesus. I don't got to deal with any of that, but what about when it comes to somebody who has done something or said something to us to where we keep that file tucked away? Like, nah, I ain't going to, don't ask me to pull that file out. I'm going to keep it there for a rainy day. I smile at them when I see them, but you know what I'm thinking, right? I'll be kind. Some people say, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be cordial, Right? I'll be, I'll be nice, but in our heart, we've got this, 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 this festering bitterness, resentment, and anger, this unforgiveness that has been there for years, that calcifies over time to where we don't even realize that our heart has turned that way toward that individual or those sets of individuals. And this is real talk because, like I said, we just came out of Christmas, and Christmas, for some people, could be like, you know, the most, like, wonderful time of the year. And for others, it's probably one of the worst days of the year. Can we keep it real tonight? For others, they're like, you know what? I don't want to see my family on Christmas. All the things that they've done or should have done but didn't do, I don't even want to see them. They're not even my real family. Right? We say things like, you know, nah, man, like, I want nothing to do with them, right? We, 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 we allow 
the effects of what people today call cancel culture to seep into our hearts, and we think that it's okay, and we normalize it. And, and, and some, some people even use these kinds of words to justify how they treat others in their hearts. I'm not talking about what you say to people, right? That's one level of, like, our faith and Christianity that we need to work on is, you know, try not to cuss people out, okay? Let's work on that. Like, we'll just start there, and then we'll, we'll work our way down into some of the harder things. But, like, let's, let, you know, let's aim low initially and just kind of say, like, initially, you know, don't stab people. You know what I mean? Like, don't cuss them out, right? But then to go a, de- a little level, level uh, deeper than that is like, okay, so even if you didn't say the thing or do the thing, what is it that you were feeling and thinking on the inside? Right? Doesn't Jesus teach us about that? In the Sermon on the Mount, he says that if you thought about it, it's the same thing as moving in that direction. So therefore... As followers of Christ, it's not okay just to smile, but in the inside, have these feelings or thoughts about someone. If that's there, then we really truly haven't forgiven the way that Christ is commanding us to forgive. Notice how I said command, and I didn't say asking or requesting or encouraging. Those are all very soft words. But Jesus commands us. He says, if you want forgiveness, then you got to give forgiveness. Can I say that one more time? If you want forgiveness, right, the kind that we enjoy bathing in, then we got to be ready to give it. And it's got to be genuine and it's got to be deep. It can't be superficial and shallow, right? It can't be like, you know, when my kids are fighting and I say, hey, come on, man, tell them you're sorry. And then they don't even make eye time, I'm sorry. Like, you're not sorry. You're just saying you're sorry so you don't get in deeper trouble. You don't mean it. That's how we forgive people sometimes. I'm sorry. You ain't sorry. Right? So Jesus teaches us here, number one, you got a clean slate in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Number two, what bitterness and unforgiveness are you harboring towards someone else? Now, I... I'm challenging us with this passage, not because I believe it's an easy thing to do. In fact, I'm challenging us with this passage because this is one of the most difficult things for us as humans to do on our own power. Right? We are wired. We have this natural hardwiring physiologically, psychologically, and even spiritually when we kind of don't allow God to come in and take over that causes us to have this self-defense mechanism to where when somebody wrongs us, we're taught to not trust them. We're taught to keep our distance from them, and we're taught to protect ourselves. And that's how, that's how we're taught instinct, instinctually in terms of how to deal with people who have wronged us. You know how Jesus responded to that? He died on the cross. And he's inviting us, hey, you got, it's time for you to start bearing your cross too, right? This is hard to do. It's in, in fact, I would say this. It is impossible to do on our own strength, but when we reach out and say, Lord, this is so hard, and, and to be honest with you, I don't even want to do it. I don't even want to deal with it, but because I want to follow you, because I want to live for you, because I want to live like you, 
talk like you, walk like you, then I'm willing to give it a shot. Would you help me out? Right? And once you begin to take steps in that direction, man, wow, what an amazing experience it is to, to feel the living presence of God enter into our body, into our emotions, into our, uh, the physical, uh, uh, into all aspects of who we are. And he begins to take over and say, now you've given me an invitation to begin living within you. Right? Otherwise, we're putting on a show. We do the Christian stuff on the outside. But on the inside, it's, it's getting to a level where we're able to say, Lord, I don't know if this is doable or possible, but this is what you're calling me to. Therefore, I'm going to surrender to it, right? So what some people do these days, because nowadays people are a little bit more like, especially guys these days, and this is no offense. I'm just, just making an observation. Societal, societally, in general, we're a little bit more in touch with our feelings than we were in generations past, right? So, like, we use words like self-care. When I grew up, you know, I never heard that word, self-care, right? In fact, if I were to tell my mom or dad, right, like, when I was tired on a Saturday morning after a long week of studying and all that stuff, and, and, and my dad says, you know, it's time to get up and do chores at 7 a.m., and I said, Dad, I, I'm going to watch cartoons this morning because I need to practice self-care. I, 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 just, I, picture, I picture what that conversation would have been like, you know. My dad, you know my dad, too. You've been like, you want me to tell you what self-care is? You know, here, I'll, I'll tell you. You're going to have to take care of yourself after, you know. He probably would have given me some of that. But, but honestly, though, self-care, that's a term, right? So I've heard people say, you know what, I've chosen to not think about or deal with this set of people because I need to practice self-care. And what I would say is if we, if, we, if we have allowed ourselves to stop short of inviting the presence of Christ to extend the same kind of compassion and mercy to others as he's extended to us, and we use psychological terms like self-care to keep us stuck in that rut, then we're never truly going to experience the miraculous work of God in us that will lead us to do the impossible in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Guess what? God care is better than self-care anyway. If God's taking care of you, that's better than you trying to take care of yourself. Right? Um, okay, so why don't we take a quick little commercial break? Because um, I've been talking for a long time, and some of you are like, man, we need a break. Whew. There you go, Rube. Um, I'm going to invite the brothers up. We're going to get ready to uh, go before the Lord and bring an offering, bring tithes and offering to God. God's been good and faithful to us, so we want to give to him with cheerful hearts. Amen? Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer, and then we're going to have uh, just a brief time for tithes and offerings, and then we're going to continue. And when we continue, we're going to shift gears, move away from Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to talk a little bit about plans. Does that sound good? All right, so let's shift gears. Talked a little bit about my, my hope with that first segment was for us to reflect on what it means to enter into a new year, actually recognizing 
the invitation that Christ has given us to go, to go into it new. And that means both recognizing the newness that we've been offered, but also the ways in which we're now invited into offering new things to someone else through forgiveness, right? Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about resolutions. Can everybody say resolution? Resolution. Okay, so resolution comes from the, the root word of resolution is the word resolve, right? And when you resolve to something, that means that you, uh, that you, you have uh, decidedly come to a conclusion that something ought to happen. That's what being resolved is. It, it means that you, you're not uh, wavering or waffling in your decision, um, but you have made that decision and that decision is firm. That's what resolve or that's what resolution is. Um, so, so a couple of quick, you know, some people have, uh, some people are like pro-resolution, others are like anti-resolution, others are a little bit more neutral when it comes to the whole resolution thing. Um, so let me share a few words and remarks on, on resolutions um, as we get ready for the brand new year. Because I don't want to rain on anybody's parade if, like, you've been working on yours for days or weeks already, and they're really nice and, like, typed up, and you're ready to put them into practice. Um, my intent is not to rain on, on anyone's parade there. And, and also, to be completely honest, my intent, my intent is also not to convince you that you ought to have New Year's resolutions. Is that Okay. So I'm trying. I'm attempting now to not neither discourage those who have resolutions or make you feel guilty if you're not the kind of person who has had who who builds resolutions. I'm merely going to make a few remarks. So a couple of good things about them. Number one, one of the good things about making a resolution is that it's an indication that you're admitting something needs to change. Right? If you make a resolution towards something, that means what you're saying is, I'd like to see something different in 2024. Therefore, this is what I'm going to commit to. So it's not a bad thing, right, to recognize. Uh, I remember somebody telling me one time, we were having a conversation, and they said, man, Pastor Kobe, I live with no regrets. And I said, man, then that's very prideful because I got a bunch of regrets, a lot of things that I shouldn't have done and would do differently if I had the opportunity. So uh, having regrets isn't a bad thing. It just rec recognizes that we don't want to do it again, right? Isn't that right? Okay, so first reason why it's not a bad thing is because it's an indication that something needs to change. Number two, um, you know, some people say, man, I just don't really like getting into it because everybody says them on January 1st, but then by the time, you know, February rolls around, nobody even remembers what they were saying was their resolution, right? So some people's criticism is it only happens once a year. Well, here's my, my rebuttal to that would be it's better to, to make a resolution one time a year than no times a year. Right, um, and, and so on the one hand, it, it's it's also not a bad thing because if it's an opportunity, right, a reset button, so to speak, um, then then it it could be a good thing. Okay, the third reason why it could be a good thing is because some people are actually really diligent and disciplined and follow through on these things that they prayed over and decided on as they go into the brand new year. Right, um, and so let, let let's not get in the way of those who. Uh, are really good at sticking to their plan. Raise your hand if you're good at sticking to your plan. Let's see. Let's see some folks who are, all right, we got a few in here, okay? Raise your hand if you're like, you know what? I'd like to grow and get better at sticking to my plan, right? Okay, so we, we, got, a, we got a mixed group in the, in the house, all right, which is, which is a good thing. Okay, now, here are a couple things, a couple of criticisms that I have on, uh, on New Year's resolutions in general. Not yours. I haven't even heard yours yet, so these aren't criticism of your resolutions or even the process 
by which you go to um, in order to, to come to your resolutions. But a couple of criticisms that I'll have, number one is this, sometimes people see them as like a magic wish. Right? They kind of think it's magic. Oh, my resolutions are these things. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, it, it's, it, you would be better off say something like, I wish 2024 carried these kinds of things. Now, are, is it bad to wish? Uh, not necessarily, but, you know, we all know that if you're a grown-up, um, then, uh, you know, wishes are, are, are usually, uh, they, they, they're, they're more effective when they have, uh, action steps, right? And when they have a timeline that's connected to them, right? And that's why we're gonna, I'm gonna start moving away from resolution language here in a second and start talking about a plan, okay? Because I believe a plan is more effective. Is that okay? Because resolution, again, like I said, comes from the word resolve, which is a good first step. What that means is I've decided something needs to change and I would like to see this kind of change happen. Where the plan comes in is then we start saying things like, okay, in order for that to take place, here's what I need to do to fulfill my end of the bargain. Does that make sense? That's called responsibility. But what often people do is they make a New Year's resolution and they hope it's like casting a coin into a fountain or wishing upon a shooting star. Right, That all of a sudden, just because I said it on January 1st, then for whatever reason, before 2025 rolls around, those things are going to like land on my doorstep. Right. Um, so what I would say is resolutions don't work that way. Okay. Um, and so uh, number one, cri criticism is that sometimes people see them as a magic wish. Number two, um, they usually signify intentions rather than a plan. Right? They signify intentions rather than a plan. Is it a bad thing to have the right intentions? No. But too often we declare intentions and we, got, we rarely do we follow through on those intentions. And we turn them into something that's actually going to get us somewhere. We kind of leave it at the intention stage. Right? So if that's the case, then I would say you're better off not making them. Right? Um, because we all know right, that intentions by themselves aren't going to achieve for us the things that we're hoping for in the brand new year. Make sense? The third thing is this. Oftentimes, New Year's resolutions can be challenging because they are unrealistically high and unattainable, which then leads to discouragement and quitting. Right? I want to lose X number of pounds in 2024. Why not just start with like 10? Right? Just start with 10. Do 10. Right? The right way. Not by like just, you know, starving yourself for 10 days. Yeah, you're going to lose weight, but that's not the right way to, to lose weight, right? It's better to, how do I exercise a little bit more? How do I eat the right foods? How do I figure out, you know, do I have the right volume, right? All these different kinds of things. So we often uh, uh, fail because our goals, and I shouldn't even call them goals, they're resolutions at this point, are, are kind of lofty. And, and they, might, they might feel unattainable. Guess what happens when we see something that's unattainable? What, what, what happens at that point? We, yeah, we get discouraged, right? And then we lose, we lose sight of, of, the, of what we're trying to achieve, okay? Um, I remember, um, you know, when we were in middle school, we ran track, and we'd go and do long-distance training, and oftentimes, you know, those would be kind of challenging because, uh, it, well, first of all, our coach would just start us running, usually in like a big park or somewhere, and he wouldn't tell us how long we were going to run for. We would just go and start running. And we'd be like, how long are we going to go? Right? And we'd always be like, we'll go until I stop. And then we're like, all right. So then we just follow our coach and go. Right? It's a little different than when you're actually on the track and you could see where the finish line is. Right? 
Um, and so he did that on purpose to train our minds, right? So Because if we can learn how to persevere, even when we don't see the end in sight, but then when we do see the end in sight, we're going to have a little bit more drive, okay? Um, so that's one of the reasons why they, they can be challenging is because we set, we set them too high, right? We just kind of throw out these, again, magic wishes, really high, unattainable. Then we can get discouraged and we can end up quitting. And then the other reason why I want to critique resolutions in general is because we make them one time a year and then we rarely revisit them or reevaluate them throughout the year, right? Um, and so that's why I want to talk tonight a little bit about plans. Is that okay? And then we'll close. What time should we wrap up, Pastor Josh, just to make sure? Yeah, all right, midnight. Okay, all right. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. All right. <laughs> No, no, no. We'll, we'll go for, uh, how about we go for a solid 10 more minutes? Is that all right? Can we do that? Sound good? If you got to leave beforehand, go ahead. I won't be offended. It's all right. Um, 10 minutes. Okay. Um, so plans. As we think about the importance of having plans and, and maybe even using plan language, the reason why I like plan is because it's multidimensional. A resolution is step one. So maybe you want to start with step one in your resolution, which is, I would like to, or I plan to, and then you fill in the blank, okay? So that's a good first step. Um, what I often encourage, especially young people that I talk to all the time, I work in a college setting, is I often tell them, they, they start sharing ideas with me, and I tell them, write it down. What do you mean? I say, write it down. Take out your phone, open up your notes app or whatever, or text yourself or email yourself, but write it down. Because the moment you put your idea on paper, then it increases accountability. Right? The moment you write something down, you're one step closer to actually accomplishing it. Why? Because you know how many thoughts our brain has every single day? And for whatever reason, we think we can keep all those thoughts organized in our brain that way. My wife, her brain works a lot better in that way than mine does, and I know it. And so anything for me that I want to get done is written down somewhere, anything. And my staff at work, they think I'm crazy because my walls are filled with paper, and my desk is full of paper, and they've all got notes to myself. And then I have Google Docs on my computer. Why? Because anything that matters to me that I want to get done is written down somewhere. And you can, ask, you can ask my wife, you can ask my brother, you can ask anybody, right? I write it down because, why? It's accountability. And guess what? I don't write it down and throw it, throw it away or let it sit there. I write down it and then I revisit it. And then revisiting it reminds me. That's why I don't st stuff it away in a file somewhere because for me, out of sight, out of mind. I put it in front of me, right? And that's why I like to put stuff up on my walls because then people walk in and they look and, oh, look at what you got written there. I'm like, oh, that's because all this stuff is going to get done this week. They're like, really? You're going to get all that done this week? I'm like, yep, three today, three tomorrow, three today after that. By the time I get to Friday, it's all going to be done. Right? And so I put it there on purpose. It's accountability, right, that those things are going to get done. So when you write it down, that's a good first step. So a plan, first of all, is a good thing to have. A plan is a good thing to have. Can everybody say a plan is a good thing to have? Here's where I want to challenge us, because some of, some of, everybody knows this is a Pentecostal church, right? Okay. Uh, some of you are kind of like, I don't really know what that means, or, you know, whatever. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, but what that can often mean in certain settings 
is that we like to be spontaneous, right? And, and we like to be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit, which some people confuse for not having a plan, right? And I remember one of the first preaching lessons that I ever received from my father uh, is he always said, Mijo, whenever you go to the pulpit, always have a plan. If the Lord takes you off your plan, that's okay, but you never go up there without one, right? And, and so I've always, I've taken that and I put that into practice, not just in preaching, but in other areas as well. Always have a plan. I, I heard somebody say this quote, and I think it's the dumbest quote ever. So please don't say this, okay? Other churches can say it, not Mission Ebenezer Family Church. They say, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, and, and, and I hear that it's kind of told in, in Christian circles. People often chuckle and they think it's a funny joke. Oh, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, right? And, and what they're trying to say is God changes our plans. You know, if you thought that something was going to happen a certain way, it's probably going to happen a different way. So then it, it turns into this joke, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Well, here's why I think that's a horrible quote and not a good thing, it's not very helpful to say, is because that, that actually theologically can get in the way of somebody making a plan, right? Because then they're kind of like, well, if God's going to change my plans anyways, then why do I even need to plan in the first place, right? And so then they end up getting kind of stuck in a rut, right? Oh, what are you, you going to do in the next five years? I don't know, man. I'm just going to take it a day at a time and trust God. And what I would say is, well, God wants you to have a five-year plan and then adjust it day by day, right? Not just kind of like, where should I go today? What, what color shirt should I wear today? Should I step with my left foot or my right foot? Should I take the 405 or the 91? Should I, right? Like, so, so th there are certain folks that think that having a plan is a bad thing. What I would say is this, having a plan and not giving God the sovereignty to change your plan is wrong, but not having a plan is also wrong. Does that make sense? Uh, not, uh, uh, not having a plan is not evidence that you're more spiritual than someone else. Some people think, oh yeah, I just trust the Lord, you know, so that, therefore if I made a plan, I wouldn't be trusting God. And what I would say is no, not trusting God would, would be uh, making a plan uh, and then when God tries to deviate or move your plan around, then you say, no, God, I'm fine. I've got my own plan, and you're obstinately stuck in your ways, then that would be, that would be uh, the wrong way of going about it. But, but, but not having thoughts or ideas about where you're headed is actually foolish. Okay, And Matthew chapter 7 is going to teach us that in a moment. So God does not laugh at your plans. Does everybody hear that? Okay, uh, God does not laugh at your plans. In fact, Proverbs 16.3 says it this way. Submit your plans unto the Lord, and you will succeed. Submit your plans unto the Lord, and you will succeed. Proverbs 16, verse 3. I saw another quote. This is not from the Bible. This is just a random inspirational quote, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, it said, a goal is like a dream with a deadline. A goal is like a dream with a deadline. In other words, resolutions are usually are kind of these dreams, these wishes, these, uh, I want a girlfriend in 2024, right? Okay, cool. Rub a, rub a genie lamp, you know. Or go get a job, 
get 4.0 when your classes right shave get a good haircut dress nice wear some good cologne not too much though because that's a turn off right but not enough and then your bo starts coming through and that's also a turn off right wear shoes instead of like slidey sh slippers everywhere you go so that women can see that you're a hard worker and they know they could trust you if you do get married one day right like I share all that simply to say, if, if having a girlfriend in 2024 is a good wish, there's actually a plan that could come along with that. Is that all right? Am I talking weird? Some of you are like, man, why'd you get on that topic? I'm trying to look out for our, 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 the body of Christ. Amen? A goal is like a dream with a deadline. Okay? All right. Uh, Jeremiah 29:11 says this, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future." So God has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is to prosper. Somebody say amen. Right? That's God's plan for your life. You got to receive God's plan for your life. Don't hang your head down low. Don't be discouraged going into 2024 thinking, oh, it's going to be another bad year. Oh, it can't get any worse than last year was. Right? right? Like having all this negative thinking going into the new year, expecting bad things to happen. Right? All of a sudden, something starts looking good, and then there's something in you that starts to pull you back down to make you start thinking negatively that it's going to go bad again soon. So don't, start, don't be enjoying the good times because they're not going to last. Knock all that stuff off because that's not what God wants for your life. And he wants you to know that when you trust him with your life and you put together a plan, right, that's going to be, first and foremost, to become the man or woman of God that God wants you to be in 2024. Guess what? Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what does that next part say? Does anybody know? And all these things. What are the things? The resolutions. Right? Oh, the, the lost weight, uh, better job, better pay, relationship. Uh, you know, all the different things, you know, all those things, all those things come after. But it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Man, imagine that. Every single day, waking up in the morning. Thank you, Lord. You are my king. Thank you for giving me it. Man, not only did you give me an invitation to be part of your kingdom, but you call me one of your sons. Wow, that means I get to live in the palace. That means I woke up in the palace. That means I look outside and I look at the kingdom, and you've invited me to be part of, of building that kingdom that you have. And so I need to live my life in a way that keep, makes you proud because you're my heavenly father who's holy and righteous. So I'm going to live like that today. I'm going to treat people like that today. I'm going to treat my family like that today. Treat people at work that way today. And we begin on those things. Guess what's going to happen? All those things on your resolution list. God's going to provide. Right? So there's a plan to it. It's not just a, a flip a quarter into a fountain and say, Lord, please, 2024. Right? Kiss the, kiss the coin, throw it in the fountain. Right? You know what's better? A plan. Right? So I encourage you. I told you we were going to go 10. This is the end of that 10-minute extension that I requested. Thank you for your patience. 
This is the beginning of it. Maybe, maybe between now and like I said, I'm not in trying to trying to convince anybody to do New Year's resolutions or convince anybody to not do New Year's resolutions. All, what I am trying to convince you to do is to have a plan and submit it to the Lord. Have a plan and submit it to the Lord. Write it out. It could be 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, 20. doesn't matter how many. And then what I would encourage you to do is once you have 10 good ones, right, what are five action steps connected to each one of those items? So there should be 50 unique items with a date and a deadline connected to it. By January 31st, I would have fill in the blank. And that's going to get me closer to my goal for December 31st, 2024. Does that make sense? Building on it, right? What can I do today? And how does, that, how does that connect to a larger plan that God might have for us? Okay, I'm going to finish with this, and then we'll close, okay? I want to try to keep my word. I'm two minutes over. I was reading the wrong clock. My bad. Okay. Therefore, this is uh, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... Somebody say practice. Somebody say practice. You know what practice means? Stuff that you do over and over again. Let me say it one more time. You know what practice is? Stuff that you do over and over again. Jesus says, if anyone hears these words of mine and they put them into practice, somebody say practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into, somebody say practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, as we get ready for 2024, let's put these things into practice. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening for a chance to study your word. We thank you for a reminder of Matthew 18 that we are forgiven and for the reminder that we need to forgive. And we also thank you, Father, for instructing us on how to submit our plans to you, uh, to have a plan, but to make sure that that plan is surrendered and submitted to you. Um, so, Lord, we know that these things are even better than a wish that we could make on January 1st. Guide us into faithfulness day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.